look like this. You, there's a reason the words that are going to come out of my mouth tonight. I just pray, dear God, that they're your words. And I'm saying them the right way that there's people out there who are here, need to hear whatever message it is. Now, the beautiful thing about this, too, is I have no notes. So I'm just speaking from my heart tonight to you guys. And I'll tell my story. And if you want me to answer any questions, aside from my recipe on my brisket, I'll be happy to do that. <laughs> All right, as Pastor Eugene said, I spent 20 years in healthcare, and um, that was my, my long-term career. My whole goal, I always wanted to be a doctor, and uh, my, uh, my father left us my freshman year in college, and I uh, had to drop out of school and, and figure out a way to pay for myself to get through it, and unfortunately, when I did that, uh, out the window went uh, medical school, but that was okay. It, uh, it, it made me a lot stronger and, and, and taught me everything that I knew about uh, survival and taking care of my, uh, my three younger brothers and sisters, too. Spent 20 years in healthcare, and in my whole life, it was kind of funny. I, I, all I ever wanted to do was, was be a president of a big pharmacy, pharmaceutical company, and I worked real hard at it, and I, and I sacrificed a lot to get there. And um, it's, it's a funny thing. Um, when I finally got there, I figured out this is the last thing I want to be doing. And something happened along the way to help me appreciate that. And that something was finding out God and Jesus and the love that he had for me. It happened back in 2004. I grew up going to church. I've always been a Christian. But I never had that personal relationship with God until 2004 when I, I found out that God truly was my personal father. And it changed my whole life. And perhaps it was because of that void that I had with my own father. But boy, it shook me up. And it wasn't two months after that. And at the time, I'm the head of our cancer division, our oncology division at work. I'm sitting in my office, and I get this phone call. And it was this, it was this woman, and she was panicked. And she said, Mr. Rivers, Mr. Rivers, I am so sorry to hear about your daughter. My daughter at the time was in kindergarten. And um, her name is Cameron. I said, well, what's wrong with my daughter? And she said, well, her, her tumor, her, um, her, her terminal brain tumor. Now, I knew it wasn't my daughter. And my wife would have told me about this. I knew it wasn't my daughter. But from the time that I hung up the phone until the time that I got a hold of Monica, my wife, for the first time, even though, even though I was in cancer treatment, it had never become personalized, ever. And for the first time, I sat in that father's shoes, and I'll tell you what, it scared me to death, just not knowing what to do. What's really interesting, before I tell you the rest of the story, as many times as I've said this story, as many times as it's been publicized, to this day, we, no one has ever said, I was the caller. I was the person who did this. We still don't know who it was. It moved me so much that I told my wife, we need to find out who this family is. We went out, we, we searched all over the place, and as it turns out, it was a little girl, my daughter's age, but she didn't go to the same school. We didn't know the family, didn't even go to the same church. There's no relationship whatsoever that would have drove this phone call to my office that day. I found out what church that she went to. I called the pastor, and I introduced myself as the head of the cancer department. You know, little did I know that God had a plan that he was working on from that very, very moment. I thought I was going to help this family by giving them free drugs and care and, and everything that I had built on my own. I, I tell you, I, I was in for a big surprise. The pastor was kind enough to say, come on to service. I'll introduce you to him afterward. And I just remember walking up the vestibule to meet this beautiful family. It's father and son and, and father and, and the wife and, and three beautiful daughters at the time. And uh, one was clearly going through cancer, through chemo. 
And uh, just Monica, my wife, turns to me and says, what are you going to say to these folks? And I said, I don't know. And it was one of the first times in my life that I just said, I'm just going to go with what this prompting is. And this is one of the first three messages I want to share with you. Because all the way up to that point, before I became the president of this, of this big pharmaceutical company, I was in business development. I was in mergers and acquisitions. We built businesses. Everything was calculated. Everything was based on performance. When we sat down at a negotiating table, I knew whatever this person was going to say, I knew the course of how I was going to respond to it. And for me to finally look at her and say, I don't know, was unheard. she had never heard that from me before. And it was the first time that I was leaning in and listening to what God was saying to do. When I met this family, I just remember the, the father just putting my arms around us, this, this man, and just hugging him and, and telling him, anything I can do to help you, I'm absolutely going to do it. And for the next month, I thought I was doing the right thing. I was lining up free drugs and, and free care and free product for him. And all of a sudden, in my office one day, I realized they don't need more drugs. These folks, they need money. So I call him up, and his name was John. I said, John, I'll tell you what, um, let, me, uh, let me cut you a check and try to help you out with this cost. And he said, absolutely not. We, we argued for 20 minutes, and I, I lost the argument, and I hung up the phone. And then I felt it. I felt it physically, that prompting, that push. I pick up the phone, and I didn't even know what I was going to say to him. I said, John, it's me again. And he says, yeah, I know. I just told you no. I said, I appreciate that. I said, let me, let me run a, host a, a, a get-together at your church, a reception of some type for your daughter. It'll be a fundraiser. You don't have to do a thing. All you have to do is just show up. I'll do all the cooking. I'll do all the, the preparation, everything for it completely. Now, I'm not a trained chef. All right? I, I've done this in my backyard for years, fell in love with it, and when I moved out to Texas, just, it became a passion. I'd only cook for about 20, 30 people in my backyard, and, and it, it didn't always come out good <laughs> at the end of the day. So he says yes, okay? The party is 10 days later, 450 people RSVP, okay? We didn't have the equipment, we didn't have the food, we didn't have, I didn't have the know-how, I didn't have the help, I didn't know what, how we were going to do this. And I still contend to this day that we, it was by the grace of God that we pulled this thing off. All right? We fed all those people, we raised an awful lot of money for this little girl, and nobody got sick <laughs> in that order. And it was, it was, it was so moving to me. Right? I started what was called our barbecue ministry. Right? I just fell in love with it. I said, I love to be able to cook for people and, and use this gift that God has given me to help people out there. And I love barbecue. I'm going to just keep doing it. So for years and years, for the next four years, anytime a school or church or kids would call up and, and need some money, I'd bring out the smoker. I'd bring out the, the grill. We did this. I did this on weekends when I was still in my corporate job for four years. Before we opened the store on October 26 in 2009, I never took a penny for any of our barbecue work. We did, ever. It was always a ministry. I just listened to what God said and obeyed what he told me to do, and he always took care of me. Matter of fact, I remember the first day that we opened, I'm on the, on the end in Winter Park, and I'm cutting there. My wife is down at the cash register, and she's running the POS, which is probably appropriate for her to be doing that. And I remember my first customer came in, and it was people who had supported me, throughout, who I had helped throughout all these years. And I watched them pay for the first time for my food. And uh, i got to tell you, I, I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like it at all. 
And um, to this day, I, I've never worked the cash register, and I, I don't want to. And you know, the great irony in this is for so many years, we, when we built this big business, and we built it up to about $2.5 billion, and we were publicly traded, and all we concentrated on was that bottom line, you know, just over and over and over, because there's so much pressure quarter to quarter. And uh, we didn't put people first. You know, we didn't put our employees first. We didn't put the community first. And it's always the bottom line. And the bottom line didn't always hit the numbers we were supposed to. And the great irony is now, all I concentrate is on our people and our team and that community who we're supporting. And the bottom line has never, never needed any help whatsoever or focus, ever. To this day, we have still never spent a penny on advertising. Not a red cent on it. No coupons, nothing going in the newspaper. All that money goes back out to the community. This year alone, I got this cute girl. She, um, she works for us, and I had to hire her because we get all these requests all the time for um, donations. And um, I said, your job is just to manage this budget and manage all these calls that come in and make sure it goes out. And I said, all right. I said, each store, you have $5,000 a month, okay? And I want you to make sure that goes back out to the community. Well, after the first month, she comes in, and she shows me her report, and she's all excited, and she says, well, see this, Mr. Rivers? You know, I, I came in under budget. I did 4000 here, and I did 3000 there, and I sat her down, and I said, Brooklyn, I said, your job, I said, thank you so much for all the work you've done. I said, your job is to make sure we put that money back out there. You make sure we hit $5,000 a month. And this year, I think we'll hit, I think it's um, almost a quarter million dollars that's going to go back out. And I'll tell you what, it's never compromised the bottom line a penny. A penny. And, and the lesson that's learned. Amen. 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 The second lesson is I've learned to appreciate. I'd heard it before, but I never lived it. That you are blessed to bless others. I tell you what, I, I told a reporter that uh, I was being interviewed by Inc. Magazine a while ago, and he said, you know, what's, what's the biggest lesson you learned? I said, I learned you can't give it all away. And he said, what? I said, it's amazing. It's like, so it, it's the parable of the talents. You know, and, and God talks about, you know, those, those three fellows that he gave the coins to and what you did with those. Now, you think about it. Um, you've got somebody who works for you. You've got a son. You've got somebody who depends on you, okay? You're going to give them a certain amount of resources, okay, or a certain amount of responsibilities. And you're going to watch what they do with those responsibilities, all right? If they honor you, and your word and your direction and those responsibilities or those resources, what are you going to do? You're going to give them more. That's right. That's right. And every time you continue to honor God by giving those resources and those blessings that he gives to you, he gives them to you for a reason, to build his kingdom and to help other people. And the more you just let them just keep going through and let him use you as a platform, it's amazing how he just keeps pouring in over and over and over again. And I, and, I, and I tell you what, it's, I learned a, a tough lesson. We had opened up two stores, and um, Longwood was on the table, right? our, our store just here on 434. And now uh, both of our other stores were freestanding. They were at, at lights. Um, they were busy crossroads. They had all these attributes to it. And my friend of mine said, you know, you really need to look at this crispers down here. And I looked at it reluctantly, and I, I walked away from it for about a month. And it stayed on the market. And I went and looked at it a second time. And I just had such reservation about that particular location. And I remember looking back on my prayer journal. 
and I draw, you know, the typical line down the, you know, the, the center of it, and I said, well, here's all the attributes of Winter Park, which is open, and Winter Garden, which is open, and they're both being successful and just really, you know, just blessing us more than we could ever imagine. And, and then I looked at Longwood. I said, well, Winter Park is freestanding. It's on a busy light. It's got easy access. Uh, Winter Garden has a drive-through, all these things. And Longwood had nothing of that, and I'm praying about it. And um, I'll never forget, I just, I, I felt it so clearly on my heart. God said, you know, how, how fast you forget, right? how, how, how easy it is for try, us to try to take control once again. Right? So Winter Park and Winter Garden aren't successful because of any of those attributes. They're successful because you kept me in the center of your business. And if you keep me in the center of your business, you will continue to be successful. I signed the lease the next day. It became our number one store in less than 30 days. Just boom. Just like that. And I'll, I'll tell you, my, my prayer now is just don't let me forget that, Lord. You know, just keep me humble. You know, just, just keep, you know, every once in a while you got to get knocked off that horse. You know, I always say, you know, the, the higher you move up, the longer the fall is down. You know, just, you know, just keep me grounded, Father. The other thing that I learned was just how much fear plays a part in our lives. You know, I had this uh, good career. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm the president of this big organization. I've got all these people all over the, the country working for us, and we're doing well. But I knew in my heart this is not what I wanted to be doing. And this is a message I give out so many times because so many people are not doing and living something that they're passionate about. You know, they're doing a job that's pure work to pay the bills. And there's such a big difference between work and paying a bill and living out your passion as a career. And what a difference it is between those two. So here I am in this job, and I knew I wasn't in the right place. And when we sold our company in 2005, I had to sign a contract for two years to stay to get what's called an earnout. Well, that two-year period was coming due in March of 07. So back in December and January, I look back at my prayer journal and I'm reading, and I can see I'm, I'm starting to try to manage all this. I'm starting to try to figure out on my own. You know, like, well, I can go to Genentech. I'd have to move here. I can move, go back to Johnson & Johnson. I'd have to move up here. And I'm calculating all this. And all of it had finances tied to it, which was just amazing. And I remember... My boss came down in uh, the end of January, and we're sitting there and we're talking, and she's talking about all the options that I had. She says, well, John, she says, you're doing a great job. You can stay here, keep doing this. You can move up to St. Louis, which was where the corporate is. You can do this. And you ever talk to somebody, and you're looking right at them, and you're, hearing their, you're watching their mouth move, but you're not hearing a word they're saying? You know, you're just, you're, you're just like, you're, you're processed, you're thinking, and you're praying. I'm sitting there praying. And what I heard was just two words, just trust me. And I knew in my heart what he was saying. And, I, and you know, I'm, I'm talking, I'm asking myself, just, what's that? Just trust me. Like, oh. I looked at her and I said, I've already made up my mind. She said, oh, great, what's that? What are you going to do? She said, um, I said I'm going to retire. I'm going to resign uh, at, in March. And she just looks at me and she says, well, what are you going to do? And it's funny, about two hours later, 
about three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm, I'm driving home, and I'm telling my, my wife, and I never, never left work early. She says, what are you doing in the car? And I said, I'm coming home. She says, oh, boy. She says, what happened? I said, um, I announced my retirement today. And she said, we, we, this is, um, this is 07. We just bought a big house, and um, kids are in school. She says, what are we going to do? Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> Those are exact words. <laughs> and I said, uh, I don't know. I just felt like this is what God wants me to do. Now, keep in mind, all this barbecue ministry stuff is happening, okay? I'm doing it. And I tell you what, now I'm, I'm going to work on Mondays, and I just like, ah, i got to get back in that mud. And come Friday, Saturday, if I knew I had a big charity event I was doing that weekend, I'd be so up. I was just, I was alive on Saturdays and Sundays. I was just living. There was such a contrast. And it was God showing me the contrast between what your passion is, what the purpose is that he created you. And he tells us that. Every one of us created with different gifts and different talents. Every single man in this room is completely different. You've got a blessing that's different from the person who's sitting next to you. you know, and, and I think, too, that when we're born, we know what that is. Now we know we were playing with trucks or with guns or whatever it was. You know what that passion was when you were born and you were young. And it's funny how we just forget it. You know, we get wrapped up in, you know, my mortgage and my bills and my car. And, you know, I, I talked to so many different people. And, and I was going through the same thing. And, you know, and I knew I wasn't in the right place. I knew I wasn't happy. But you know what was holding me back? You know, I was fearful. How am I going to pay the mortgage? I was fear. I was scared. How am I going to keep my kids in school? I was scared. I'm going to lose my car. Okay? There's two things that are in common of what I just told you. Okay? One, all three of those things that I was worried about losing were all material things of this world. Okay? My car, my house. You know, God gave me that. We grew up with no money whatsoever. My wife and I worked our way through high school and college and paid for our own wedding. We paid for everything. And we, we, we know the value of work. And if God gave that to us once before, he's going to give it to us again. It's his anyway. The second thing that held me back is fear. I was scared of this. I was fearful of that. I'll tell you what. It's amazing. Fear is a tangible weapon of the enemy. And don't you ever disbelieve that. It's amazing. The onset of fear is worry. The onset of worry is doubt. And when you start doubting yourself, and when you start doubting, when you feel that prompting from God, and he's sending you in a direction, he's given you all those skills. He's given you all those capabilities. And you hear those little voices in the back of your mind, it's too risky. It's too risky. You're going to fail. You know, what if you lose this? What if, what if you don't make as much as you do today? You know, they're lies. They're lies from the enemy. When you hear the voices, and it's easy to distinguish it too, you know, trust me, I have given you blessings. I am standing with you. I turn to me for strength, and I will enable you, and I will strengthen you. He doesn't say you're going to be successful. He says, I'll be with you. And I promise you, the place that you're at, you know, if God is with you, it's going to be a lot happier than when the place where you're at when God is not with you. No matter what that return is on that bottom line, I promise you that. There's so many folks who are going through transitions and through changes and stuff right now. And I talk to them, and I, I, I pray with them. And I always ask them, I say, you know, what, what are you leaning into? 
What do you mean? Well, how are you getting yourself out of this? You know, how are you finding that job? Well, what, tell me what the first thing is you do every morning. I get up, I make my coffee, and uh, I'll read the newspaper, look in the classifieds, I'll watch the stock market on TV, get further depressed. You know, I'll watch CNN, find out what's happening out there. I said, what about the Bible? I said, what you lean into is what influences you. It's what drives your decisions. If you lean into God, all right, he's going to support you. He's going to clear those things up. Right? If you're leaning into things like the stock market, like CNN, I, I tell you, I can't stand the TV show, the, you know, the, the money market one where the guy's in the pit and they're sensationalizing all this losses and stuff. I don't watch it. I don't watch the news anymore. I don't watch TV anymore. I watch the cooking channel, the Food Network. I don't, I don't, I don't read the newspaper anymore. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not too ignorant. I think I could still carry on a conversation out in the marketplace today. I'm just not going to listen to that stuff. I'm not going to listen to the fears that society just continues to wrap around us and keeps us from doing what's in our heart and what we're passionate about. And that means what God made us to be doing today. I'll leave you with one more lesson I learned, and that's the blessing of not being, of not knowing everything that's going to be involved. When we started this Fairbanks Winter Park, I was doing consulting now that I had retired from, and I was, I was strategic consulting for Johnson and Johnson and Amgen and all these big, you know, international biotechs building out their strategies and stuff. On the, and I would rush home from the airport. And I would uh, do my barbecue ministry, or I, 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 you know, drop off bottles of sauce all over the place. And uh, it got to be so much. I always tell people we had to get into a licensed facility, which is true. We 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 had to because we were doing this out of my garage. And that last year, we fed almost a hundred thousand people out of my garage. Okay. Now you can see why my wife was so mad. The truth is, we had to get out of my garage because she kicked us out because we were making an absolute mess. So I went out and I thought, well, I'm just going to build a commissary just so we can cook in it in the weekends and um, be able to do this in a licensed facility. And it, I had no intention whatsoever of being in the restaurant business, ever, ever. Clearly God, God had a very different plan. We found a little place on Fairbanks, and I was about to sign a location, a warehouse up in Altamont Springs. And uh, we drove by this place in, in, uh, on Fairbanks, and we saw it, and I felt prompted, pulled in, called the, uh, the, a, the owner, friends with them and we and we signed a you know a lease within about 30 days now this was 09 i don't know if you guys remember what was happening in 09 in the marketplace it was the worst economic times that we faced it was truly the great depression and we just don't realize it because we were so high and we came down so low but it truly was a great depression I had put all my money in places where I thought was I was safe after the retirement, put them in mutual funds, which was now down 60%. I put my other money in the house you know, we just built, which was down you know, a good 70%. Put a little bit of money aside, okay, um, just for discretionary as I'm doing this consulting work. We start building this, this commissary, which was intended just to do that. And I remember the, the contractor who I had, he, um, this is my first time doing this, so I literally had no clue what I was doing. He said, it'll cost us about $188,000. like, okay, all right, we can do that. Put it aside and going into it. It'll take about three months. All right, great, that's perfect. We start doing this. Let me fast forward, okay? Five and a half months later, we're not even halfway through construction, okay? My contractor is gone. 
okay? He had so many other deals going, he ran out of cash and he just left me hanging there, okay? I'm now in probably $400,000 into this site and there is nothing, there, there's no end in sight in this thing. And everybody, and it, it, it keeps asking me, what are you doing? And especially my wife, you know, we're going further and further and further into this, okay? And there's not a clear light at the end of this tunnel. But I kept feeling it in my heart. This is what God wants us to do. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going through with it. I just kept praying and praying. And, and you, know, you know, it's funny. I have, it was the worst, it was the, the most stressful time in my entire life. No, no doubt. Absolutely no doubt. Because I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I didn't know what the, how I was going to get to that answer. But it, I have never been in a period of my life where I spent as much time on my knees as I did during that. And I look back now in that closeness that I had with God during that time, I miss it. And if I didn't have that trauma, and if I didn't have those trials, I would not have had the joy of experiencing that relationship that I had during that time. Someone told me, you don't realize that all you need is Jesus until all you have left is Jesus. And that is so, I can, so true. And we're going down this path, and now I said, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, we, <laughs> there came a day where um, we had to make a decision. It was either we were cutting, or I'm cutting my losses right here, and I'm walking from this thing, you know, or we just keep plowing away. And right before that day happened, I get a phone call from my old boss, um, the guy whose place I took at work. And he is now, he's retired, and he's buying up pharmaceutical companies all around the country, and they're building them, and they're merging all the assets together. And he said, John, I'm buying three specialty pharmacies. Um, they'll do about a billion and a half. We think they can do about five or six billion. We're going to headquarter them right here in Orlando, and we want to know if you'd like to be the CEO of it. All right. Let's keep this in contrast, all right? Here is a money pit where I have no idea what I'm doing. The marketplace has absolutely crumbled, right? I am nearing, nearing, thank you very much. <laughs> As you wait a little bit longer, it gets more dramatic. I'm, uh, I'm nearing our financial end, okay, for the first time since we've been married. And here, seemingly, comes in my, uh, my answer out, my ticket. I knew what this lifestyle was. I knew what the pay was. I knew what the payout was going to be, you know, five years from now, once we build this thing and we flip it. And I sat down with my wife, and we talked about it. We prayed about it for that weekend. And um, we came to a couple things. You know, we came to the realization that God gave us everything we had once before. Okay. If he wants to give it to us again, it's not going to be because of this offer or whatever it is. He's going to give it to us in our life. And the second thing, I have two children. And I've been talking about this barbecue place since I met my wife 20 years ago in Texas. Okay, It's always been on my heart. My two children, we concluded that I would rather them see me pursue my dream and what was in my heart and fail at it versus never have the courage to take that step in the first place. Because you know what that lack of courage translates to? A lack of faith in God. I wasn't going to let them see that. 
I, the next day I called him up. I told him, thank you. I passed on the offer. He, he's my spiritual mentor too. He understood. A week later, right, get this, a, a friend of mine right, is in a Bible study up here in Longwood. Okay? This contractor who's in the Bible study with him drives down Fairbanks to get to I-4 to go up to Longwood once a week to go to the Bible study with him. Okay? He's got two clients in town. He's got Disney and SeaWorld. Okay? He's driving by this mess on Fairbanks, and he says he knows something is wrong. And he tells my friend in the Bible study, does anybody know what the heck is going on down here? What? It, it's a mess. And my friend says, yeah, it's my friend. He's in health care, and he's just, you know, upside down and da-da-da. And he says, well, God's put on my heart. I want to help him. Right? His name is Brad. Brad stepped in. He got me to CO, and less than a month later, okay, opened up our doors, never asked for a single penny. Today won't take a single penny for that work he did. And I absolutely believe in all my heart, had I had not said no to this temptation that got put in front of me, which was seemingly the way out, right, God would not have put Brad in my life and not would have got us there. And what, my, what I learned in that process was the correlation of obedience and blessings. I tell you what, I really believe he's got all these like a treasure chests of just things he wants to do for us. I mean, think of like your, your own child. You know, you want to bless them. You want to put so much in their lives. You know what? And every time, all I got to do is just, yes, Dad, and obey the rules and obey what he asks you to do. And every time you do it, he's just going to continue to put in your life over and over. Take a look at Abraham, you know, when God was calling him out. He says, I'm going to bless you among all nations. I'm going to make you bless people who you bless, you, I will bless. People who you curse, I will curse. He gave everything to Abraham. But you know what? You forget about what's right in front of that passage, right? He says, Abraham, I want you to leave your, leave your family, leave your land, leave the, everything your father gave you, and go to a land I will tell you. Okay? He didn't even tell Abraham, Abraham at the time, where he was sending him. He just said, trust me. And for Abram to get all these blessings, he had to say yes. He had to believe in God. He had to obey. And it's that lesson of obedience and blessing and how they go together. And he couldn't fear. I'll tell you what, what I didn't tell you guys was all up to that point, how many people were telling me how, much, how big of a mistake I was making how I was going to fail. It got to be absolutely ridiculous. I'd be standing there at the site sometimes looking at it. I'd have people I didn't even know pull off of Fairbanks and come up and tell me how I was going to fail. Restaurant, the rate of restaurant failures, you know, eight, eight out of ten of them. Uh, you, you're going to serve brisket. Nobody's brisket in Florida. It's pulled pork, everything down here. Uh, people are going to sit on picnic tables? No way. It's going to fail. You're on the wrong side of the road. Um, they're not going to wait in line. They're not going to sit outside. I mean, oh, over. And I tell you what, it's easy to start listening to that. It's easy to. And I read a passage in 2 James. You know, For God did not give you the spirit of fear, but one of strength and courage and persistence. And what that means is when you hear all those things about fear, that's not from God. You know, he's not from him. And you can't listen to him. Turn to God, lean into God, trust what he's saying, and just obey. 
And I'll tell you what, it was two months later, October 26, 2009. We had 12 employees. We opened up the doors. Two weeks before that, I got a phone call from Dan Cathy at Chick-fil-A. Dan Cathy stepped into my life and helped me get through this. And I remember him telling me I had to build a pro forma, you know, to assist my background in business. He said, well, you're about, you know, 1,300 square feet. He said, if you do about $1,500 a day, you'd be doing really well. He said, if you do about $2,000 a day, you'd be doing great. $2,500 a day, you'd be doing outstanding. We opened that October with 12 employees. My wife and I were two, so we only had 10 employees. The first day, we did $3,500. I spent, we finished a year over $10,000 average, and we've never looked back. That's been the lowest year we've ever had. <laughs> I'll close on this, because I know we've hit our 20, 25 minutes, and um, I don't have my notes with me tonight, but there's one of my favorite sayings, and it's from Nelson Mandela, who's one of my personal heroes. And it goes along the lines of, you know, what we fear the most is not what we can't do, but it's what we can do. It's what's inside of us, the strength and the life that we have that scares us the most, our capabilities that come from God. Thank you all so very much for having me here tonight. <laughs> Right in front of you, there's a, a yellow card. We're going to take just a moment. I want you to bow your heads because I believe God's speaking. Some of you today, and God's just, he's got your number. You're looking at your future. You're looking at your past. And maybe you made some decisions about life or business. And you're not where you know you should be or where you even want to be. Some of you Christians, you Christian men are here today, and there's a passion inside of you. We talked about being a dream maker for God today, and there's a passion inside of you to do something significant in your life, something, maybe you've started a ministry or being involved in a ministry. Today, maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe, like John talked about, it was in 2004 when he really realized that God wanted to be his father and his best friend. Maybe today you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Your heart hasn't been changed. This isn't just a business idea. This is a God idea to give our life to Him. Like John said, it, this hasn't been an easy journey. Lots of challenges, lots of battles. But when we put our trust completely in God, the Bible says that He directs our steps. And all of us have a different step. All of us have a different journey in a different path that we're going to go. But when we surrender our life to Christ, when we surrender our life to Christ, we have the same final destination and that destination is heaven and on that other side the only thing that we can take with us we're never going to take possessions and things the only thing that we're going to take is the people that we've influenced for god's kingdom but the first step tonight is to acknowledge to acknowledge that we need him to be our lord i believe that god's speaking to some people that are here tonight you know you you've never 
made that complete surrender to him. We have a little yellow card right in front of you. And on the back of that card, we call it our connect card. There's on the right-hand side there, it's, I'd like to know more information. And tonight you're here and you want to know more information about having a relationship with Christ. I'm going to have you check that box off. But right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, you'd like for me to pray for you. Tonight you know that your life isn't where it should be with God. This is the first invitation that I'm going to give. But you know your life isn't where it should be with God. And tonight you want to give your life to Him. When I count to three, I'm going to have you raise your hand and we're going to pray together in just a moment. But if that's you tonight, you want to make your life right with the Lord. One, two, three. Raise your hand in the room right now. I see that hand right there. Is anyone else? I see that hand. I see the hand back there. Is anyone else? God's speaking to your heart. Is there anyone else here tonight? Amen. I see the hand right there. Could every man in this room just say this prayer with me? Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you tonight for speaking to me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that my life hasn't been surrendered to you. And tonight I give you my heart. I accept the fact that I need you. And I believe, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross just for me. I ask you to come into my heart and to change my life. And from this day forward, I'm determined to follow you the best I know how. In your wonderful name, in the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. I believe tonight you said that prayer and you meant it. And you've asked Christ to come into your life. The work is beginning. If you could do me a favor, turn on that yellow card. Even if you, if you didn't raise your hand, but you'd just like to check that box off that you want to know more information about having a relationship with Christ. We'll have one of the guys in our church contact you. Just talk with you. We have some information that we'd love to give to you tonight. But I want to speak to those that are believers tonight about being dream makers for God. John talked about that surrender, about taking that next step. And guys, tonight what John did is he made himself available to God. And in order for us to do what God's called us to do, first of all, we've got to be faithful. We've got to be faithful where we're at. John had proved himself faithful in the business world. It didn't just happen on accident. He was faithful where he was at. And then he made himself available to the will of God. He made, it, he made himself available. And then he said, God, I can't do this. I'm teachable. Lord, I know how to do this. And God sent the right people to his life. And I believe tonight for every person in this room, you begin to live your life for other people. You're going to live your life for other people. That's what we talked about today. The whole thing about being a dream maker is living our life for other people. When you do God's business, God always takes care of your business. That's the way God's kingdom works. Jesus said, if you serve, you serve, you'll be the most like him. So, guys, I'm so honored that you'd come tonight. we got some closing, finishing things here. We're going to give away a, a Remington gun and and uh, all kinds of fun stuff here. I don't know what else you guys are closing out with. But one more time, can we give Mr. John Rivers a great big hand tonight? God bless you, Johnny. Thank you. All right, guys. All right. The moment that uh, some people have been waiting for who um, elected to purchase a raffle ticket. We have a uh, Remington 870 12-gauge 3-inch Magnum shotgun. And um, with this uh, shotgun, you can pretty much take uh, any game in North America.
So, the drum roll. That was that's good. <laughs> ben is going to pull the winning ticket. Go ahead and read it, Ben. Ron Cummings. Ron Cummings, come on up. Ron Cummings. Woo! Yeah. All right. Come on up, Ron. All right. Ron, since you were the lucky winner of the shotgun, we have a couple other gifts, and we'd like you to pull the tickets out since you got the lucky hand. One at a time. Darden? Darden? Darda? Darda? Darden. Right. <clears throat> Darden, we have a gift certificate for uh, Four Rivers Lunch. And we have... Uh, woo! James Hood. James Hood, all right. All right. One more. Jason Thomas. Jason Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Come on, can we give him one more hand for winning the grand prize here? I have to give you a broken box. I'm not sure they're, they're getting that. Well, once again, we want to say thanks for coming out to our annual stakeout. We're just right on time. I uh, just want to give a little bit more honor where honors due. All of our waiters and waitresses that have been serving us tonight, come on, would you give them a hand? Put your hands together. Just love on them. Good job. Everybody did incredible. And... Uh, I think the rain might have stopped just in time for us to leave here tonight. Uh, yeah, that's awesome, too. I hear it's been raining all day. And uh, we, all, we want to let you know we have two services on Sunday. If you've never visited OrlandoCityChurch.com, check it out. We have a Millennium Campus, so we'd love for you to attend. This is our airport campus. We have two services on Sunday. we got stuff for kids, youth ministry, everything. If you name it, uh, if somebody's breathing, we have a ministry for them. We love you. Let, let, me, uh, let me pray you out tonight, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Sound good? Father, we love you. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for every man in this, in this room today. Thank you, God, for the words that, that John Rivers spoke tonight. But God, thank you that you speak through people like him. And God, I, I know that there were divine appointments tonight, that it wasn't by accident that we were here tonight hearing this word tonight and lord i pray even tonight as we go back to our wives and to our families and to our jobs and to our workplaces this week that god you'd be with us god lead us we do want to do what you've called us to do and god i pray your blessing over these men today and we ask all of this in your son's name jesus and everybody said amen once again thank you for coming god bless you have a great week